All right. Hey, guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 255. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. There he is. Uh, we are back after the Christmas break to talk about Glass Onion. But before we get started, we wanted to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast on any of those streaming services, including Apple, Spotify, and now Amazon Music. Make sure that you leave us a five-star rating and maybe even a review. We would really appreciate that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 3 Drinks in Pod on both. You can like us on Facebook and you can email us at 3 Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, last of all, don't forget to check out our merchandise over at tpublic.com for all your three drinks in podcast t-shirts and cell phone cases and baby onesies and whatever you might need. So, so we're we're back, back as I've noticed. Like, oh, we've been we've been gone for almost a month. So, very sorry to you guys. Thought we all had dropped dead. We did not. Sorry. Although I am actively doing a dry January. I have never done one before. I am not optimistic about my success in dry January. But it might be time. Well, I don't let random things tell me when to drink. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I was just like, yeah, I gained 10 pounds in the last two months. I really got to like, you know, got to get back on on the whores, as they say. Horse. What? Horse. <laughs> right? Is yeah. That what it, yeah. That's what it is? It was a joke from the Big Bang Theory where Raj was like, we have to get back on the whores. And the other guy's like, horse. <laughs> he just goes, that's disgusting, dude. <laughs> the show was so dumb. It was dumb. They, they had a lot of execution-dependent jokes, but they, I thought that they did it pretty well. Yeah. Anyway, I did. I, I did start watching the Golden Girls the other day because I haven't watched that show in years. I'm like, eh, it's nothing on. Let me just watch watch the Golden Girls. Oh, well, the Golden Girls is hysterical. It's. I forgot how funny that show was. <laughs> yeah, it's that's just, a really funny show. You know, and it's a, it's 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 a little dated. You know, like you, they're 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 sort of gay houseboy cook in the first episode. Who you know, was, <laughs> just, you wouldn't have a character like that now. No, and every so often they'll like make a reference to someone that like I guess was popular at the time. So you're like, who are they talking about? But whatever. Oh yeah, they do have some some more sort of you know topical yeah references so that, but um, but, but yeah, that's a very funny show. Yeah, yeah, they're just great. They're hilarious. My computer's not charging, and I got there it goes. Okay, I'm like, hmm, this is gonna die soon. So, um, so yeah, so Glass Onion. Uh, yeah, Glass Onion was in theaters for a little while. Yeah, very, very short period of time. Did did Netflix bankroll this? Is that what's going on? Like it came out for a bit because the first one was not at all a like a Netflix thing. It was just in in theaters. I remember, I, I recall going to see it. Yeah, and then I think they this one and the next one they're gonna do like our. Pretty much that they're paying for, so you know they stick it up in theaters so it can get awards and what have you, and then they just put it right back on their streaming service. Right, it's, it seemed kind of quick. I was like, oh, there that is interesting. So, it works for us because that way you don't have to go out. <laughs> yeah, and though I wouldn't mind. It's only, I mean, 
we were just talking about about um Avatar a minute ago, which is like you know a, a you know a temporal investment you have to make as well as a financial yeah. one. And you know, I'd I'd like to go see a movie in theaters that wasn't three hours long. Or two hundred, two hours and forty, like you know, Black Panther was two hours and forty-five minutes. Where I was like, I just couldn't make it. I'm like, Look, I have something to do, I, you right? Know, you know, it just, yeah. <laughs> Still mad at me about that one, aren't you? Well, I, I don't understand how you can tell me to go watch Avatar when you couldn't even sit through Black Panther, and I'm sitting here. Well, like, that'll tell you something, though. Yeah, like, you know. Black Panther was boring. Well, I want to pay extra money for some. Aging yuppies fever dreams. <laughs> How about I just watch the first one again? It's basically the same thing. <laughs> well, the first one didn't have Edie Falco in it. <laughs> yeah, but Edie Falco is not the kind of person who like makes things better just by being there. That's She's not Harrison Ford. <laughs> no, that's true. But um, all right. So now here's the thing about Glass Onion. Um, you're going to have to start talking about it because I had a very bizarre experience with this movie. Um, I watched it twice. The first time I watched it, I had taken a gummy before I watched it. And if you're going to take a gummy and you haven't utilized the chemicals from the cannabis plant in... Ooh, nigh on a decade. I do not recommend that you watch a murder mystery movie because it's not going to be like I get why you would watch Dark Side of the Moon or watch uh, what's it called, um, uh, The Wizard of Oz with Dark Side of of the Moon in the background. Like that makes more sense to me now. This complexly plotted type character jaunt. Did not it did not work. I also like didn't know what I was doing in terms of oh I'll just take one of these because one is all I need. One was too much. Uh, yeah, usually one is too much. I have some like that. <laughs> I just I could keep my head up. I was like yeah. one was too much. I need an eighth of this. <laughs> <laughs> I really I I did, I don't really know anybody who does this, and to the point where like I don't want to call them and go okay. How much do I take? Because this is what it is, and I don't really know. And like, I I don't know anybody that I can. I guess you. I could have called you. I didn't know that. Um, good tip. Some expert, but yeah. Yeah, but well, more than me. We just kind of pop one in, and then an hour later, I was like, "Well, here we are." Um, but like, I remember <laughs> the next morning, I'm like, "What were the side effects of this particular?" Yep. Yep. Just kind of ticking off the boxes one at a time. Yep. Okay. Anxiety. Check. Got had that. You know. Loss of memory. Certainly had that. So, so like watching this movie. You know, you're very much things are happening to you, and you're going, yeah, okay, huh? And like it just goes. It does not stick in your brain anymore. And so, I remember like watching it again was very very strange, because I knew what was going to happen but I just hadn't seen it all put together like that. It kind of, it basically, it's like an accordion. Like it, you know, the gummy stretched out my brain and watching it again, smushed it all back together. So it kind of made sense. So my, uh, my perspective is somewhat distorted. So why don't you start talking, tell me what you thought, and then I'll try to figure out where I can jump in. 
Um, so are you asking me to like recite the plot here? Or you no, no, no. Just... I watched it again, so I know what happens. I just uh, like you know, like rather than talking about what we think of it, let's have you begin that process, and then I will. Uh, um, well, I, I watched it fine and sober, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like I was ready to to sit and and solve it. Like I wanted to sit down and be like, I'm going to figure out who's the murderer this time, and um. It wasn't like that. In fact, and like, I liked it enough when I was watching it because it's very stylish and the actors are doing their damnedest. Um, he's got a lot of really good actors in this movie. Yeah. You know, but five minutes after the movie's over and you start thinking about it for more than two seconds and you realize that uh, it's not a good movie and I actually didn't like it at all and I hated it. <laughs> so. Um, because a murder mystery is supposed to be a well-written, tightly plotted, um, misdirection kind of thing where you're a participant, basically, even if you're not good at them, which some people are not. And they like, they get to the end of all these things, they go, Oh, and then there's some people who will like sit there and pull the pieces apart as they're watching and they'll examine every frame and try to keep track. And it's like a little puzzle game for them. And this was not any of those things um, because it's not well-written and it's not well-plotted. And there's a lot of misdirection in terms of just bad directing. So it wasn't fun. It was boring. And I don't know why it's getting a lot of credit because it's not good, but um, I thought the first one was like this too, where like the first one was just okay. And it was, badly written so but well acted so everybody kind of just shrugged and was like that's different and you know it, it was closer in terms of murder mystery stuff than this but um that one also got too much credit i'm not quite sure what happened with that but i, I didn't like this one i wouldn't watch it again you know i remember watching or i had a podcast that was talking about the first one after it came out and they pointed out something that i didn't really notice too much in the uh, at the time that I saw it, which was that like it were really heavy handed with the whole we're you know the hero of this story is a um a person of color and she gets the house, and the white people who pretend to be her friend kind of get shut out and like there was it was just sort of very heavy handed at the end as to how there was like this power shift and it was related to you know race and like the sort of overtone of the political when it came to that, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. And like, they, but you know, and th this was a very you know, it's a podcast called Across the Movie Aisle that features people from all walks of the of the 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 political spectrum. So it wasn't like you know, it was a bunch of conservatives who were all pissed off. It was people who were very much you know, a balanced group, and they were right. I just had not thought of it like that. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that was a little bit clunky there at the end. Um. Yeah, Ryan, was it Ryan, Ryan Johnson? No, it's Ryan. Ryan, Ryan Johnson. It's spelled Ryan, though, R-I. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that caught my attention when I was high watching this, which I don't know that I would have noticed this, one of those things like, would I have picked up on that if I wasn't high? I don't know, but I did. So there's a moment in the sort of like 
the middle of the first half because the movie split into two halves. And if you haven't seen the movie, stop listening to this and go watch it and then come back because we're going to be spoilers from here on out. And there's kind of a big one. like There's like a, tw- like a not a plot twist, but like a structure twist. Um, half- ha- Halfway through. So like halfway through the first half, when he's trying to explain what disruptors were to Benoit Blanc, um, doing a, a bad job of it. What he's what he seemed to be doing was describing Ryan John Ryan Johnson fucking up Star Wars. In that, like, don't break the thing they want you to break. They kept saying break like fifteen times in that little monologue there. And it reminded me of how when Rian Johnson took over the Star Wars franchise, they broke Kylo Ren's helmet a lot. And everyone, like, that became a big deal and then reappeared in the next movie, just kind of put back together again because they wanted to sort of memory hole that entire experience and, you know, bring back J.J. Abrams. So that stuck out at me. And then little bits of it began to go, oh, yeah, he's just... The whole thing is about how do we subvert expectations. That seems to be his his sort of his bag. Is how do I take a thing and give you something not quite what you want, but it's something that I think is good, and you know that it's different is going to be worth it because it's different, and you know that's good enough in and of itself. And it's the same thing with with um, with Knives Out. Um, where, you know, yeah, it was a basic murder mystery, but, you know, the result was, you know, there was no murderer at the end. It was, you know, it ended up being very different. And the, I guess that kind of is still pretty conventional, but, you know, the thing you were trying to do the whole time, you never would have guessed that. You know, like, like you said, the, the the audience wants to be involved with this kind of a story, wants to try to be, you know, because, you know, the, there's... A, an agreement with the audience that like you could figure this out if you're paying close enough attention or if you're lucky and you guess oh it was you know pr- you know professor what's his name in the library with the candlestick it's you know that's what it is and so it just seemed obvious to me as I'm watching it and I had fun watching it but like oh we're trying to give you the thing you're expecting so hard that we're that it's a clue that we're not really doing that. And like, it was so obvious in its setup and the friends on the Island and the remoteness of it. And, you know, the hourly dong, which didn't make any sense. Like initially I was like, Oh, that that's funny. That'll come into play later. It'll be, no, it never does. It's there just to draw attention to itself as, you know, as, as if the chime of a clock being dramatic in an old-fashioned horror story or a, a, a murder mystery story. Um, so, it's, yeah, so, so it leaned into the tropes so hard that I kind of thought, well, it's just being self-reverential and making fun of itself, but really there'll be some kind of a twist and you get further into it. And it, it continues to go further from that model when you realize that one person isn't who she says she is and it actually becomes a different movie halfway through. And it's, I think it's fun to watch. Like I, 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 I didn't, I wasn't bored by it either time that I watched it. Um, but like, it's not very memorable, and it's not very, 
I don't know. It just didn't have any impact on you. Like once it, once it's over, you kind of go, all right, yeah, that was that was that was fine. Like I like I could watch the first Knives Out again, and I might with with my wife because she likes these kind of movies. But um, this one, I I would you know definitely not have any interest in watching that one again. Mm-hmm. And I also thought from watching the previews that. I thought that it was more of like a most dangerous game kind of thing initially. Like it was going to be, you know, I brought you all here to my island to, you know, to solve a murder mystery. But like, it, like I kind of thought that the twist was going to be that the, the, the Ed Norton character was more obviously behind the whole thing the whole time in a much more puppet master kind of way. And I don't know if that was just my having only a cursory look at the trailer for it and not watching the whole thing. But that was the vibe I was getting from the trailer, and that wasn't borne out at all in the film. It ended up being quite the reverse. He ended up being rather ineffectual in some ways. Well, yeah, the trailer leads you to believe that they're going to go to the island and they're playing a murder mystery game, but someone's really going to get murdered. And I can remember sitting there watching it, and the time was just ticking by where I was like, when is someone going to get murdered? Well, when is someone supposed to die? It takes an hour for someone to actually die in this film. Yeah. And then it, it jumps back. And the second hour is when you're seeing it from the other perspective and you see like, Oh, that's what was really going on. So at that point you're like, I was like, I don't remember who was supposed to die here. And then you're like, Oh, so who was supposed to be the victim? Like it was all very uh, confusing as to exactly what was supposed to be going on. Um, the reason that Sherlock Holmes works so well and he's the best at this is that for the murder, there's like two kinds of murder mysteries. There's the ones that you solve as you play, and there's the ones that you watch happen, like every TV procedural on television ever. Law and Order, Monk. You know, even sort of the mentalists, because you're watching to see how they're going to catch somebody, whether you know who they are or not. Like a monk, Tony Shalhoub was, it was always, how was Tony Shalhoub going to catch the guy? Like Columbo almost. Mm-hmm. You know who did it. You're just waiting to see how he figures it out. Whereas on like the mentalist, you're trying to figure out who who it was at the same time but there's all these clues that no one else can see except patrick jane the main character so you can't really play along with that because he's supposed to be almost superhuman with those skills sherlock notices those things as well but they're brought up to you like he'll mention them or he'll say like well that's an unusual thing and watson goes i guess so and then it turns out to be unbelievably important (laughs) because nobody else thought of it you know and and he's the best at that because the clues do seem so innocuous that you're just like no i I didn't realize there was a connection or whatever the first movie with knives out didn't really have this and it kind of relied on like really lame conveniences she couldn't lie she threw up every time she lied so i was like all right maybe we're not supposed to take this all that seriously but the movie wants me to. Yeah. Like they want you to be like, this is a thing we're all trying to solve. And I was like, but no one really does this, you know, like you're mixing these two things that don't really mix very well together. 
you can't have like it's like the same thing as if you said the killer actually turned out to be a centaur i'd be like wait what (laughs) (laughs) why would a centaur use a gun like some things don't mix well together this one's not like that at all and the things that where it tries to do it it does a really bad job so the first half of the movie is you see everything mostly from Benoit Blanc's perspective where he shows up on the island he's ready to play the game oh my god I wasn't supposed to actually be here you know someone lured me in someone's going to murder the real guy and then they're going to expect me to figure it out and you're like oh that's okay and then the second half of the movie is told from a different perspective in which you you realize that the woman who's been screwed out of all the inheritance and she used to own the company with the guy it's really her twin sister and she's been murdered and you're trying to figure out it. And you're like, Oh, okay. And so you're seeing everything from a different perspective, but it's not the same as the first time you saw it. So I mean, because you were high, maybe you don't remember. There are many shots in the first half of the movie where he's looking at things a certain way. And so like, I was trying to play along and look and see what things that maybe he's noticing that the usual viewer isn't watching. But when they show it to you the second time, they're just different shots. Suddenly like the twin is in the shot with him or he's in a different place than when he was before. And at one point he says like the man who dies drank the wrong drink. And he goes, Oh, he must've just picked up the wrong glass. That's what we thought we saw. And there's like a flashback. He goes, but what we really saw was this. And you see that Edward Norton's character switched the drinks on purpose. And I remember sitting there thinking like, well, that's not fair. That's not fair because I'm trying to play along, but as a director, he's showing me the wrong thing. Uh, Actually, that's not misdirection. That's cheating. Because you're showing me something where I couldn't possibly get the clue. That's that's the wrong information that he's giving me. So I can't possibly solve it with wrong information. Well, um, upon my second viewing, I was paying attention to that. And in that scene, Edward Norton distracts everyone going, look at her dress. She's spinning. Isn't that weird? And it's a bizarre line. But he does end up handing his glass to... Uh, Duke or whatever I can't think of the the, um, the the actor's name, but he does give his glass to Duke. You, if you're if you're watching carefully, you can see that. So they show you in the background. You, the camera is focused on the twirling dress in the foreground, and in the background, slightly out of focus because they're farther away, is him handing his glass with the pineapple juice to Duke. He is doing that in that scene. But, you know, you're it's so small as to be like you would never sort of notice it. You know, and also like it was a little kind of heavy, you know, heavy and overdone when he's because of the perspective change or because of something when he realizes that it's his glass for a couple of seconds, the story is then from his point of view. From Ed Norton's character. You know, it's it's one thing for people to be arguing or somebody else to notice, hey, Duke was drinking out of Miles' glass. 
the killer was really meant for Miles, or the the the, the you know uh, the killer was was really after Miles, not Duke. However, that reveal comes from Miles himself, which is awkward, and it kind of makes him suspect. It you know it's sort of revealing that like since Miles is the one to point out the fact that Duke died drinking out of Miles's glass you know it's sort of it makes it even more plausible that Miles was the one that gave it to him because he wanted everyone to know the killer was trying to kill me I can't possibly be the guy to to, to have killed Duke because who you know like it's one of those things Hmm. make sense yeah but there's just a lot of shots like that right it was many things that were designed to misdirect you and did so in such awkward ways as to point out the the direction that, that the director wanted you to go in and is that bad or is that on purpose and bad well, well there's also just we're just withholding information from you you know in a certain way yeah. where it's it's different than like here's all the info but maybe you missed something it's just well i didn't show it to you therefore you couldn't possibly have known and that's before we even get to the ridiculous plot of the movie but you know i'm just saying in terms of like Letting people play along in terms of a murder mystery, it's not very good. Yeah, but I, 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 I kind of think that that was that, that was his point. Like he didn't want you to do that. Like he was trying to sub, subvert subvert expectations with Star Wars, and he did just to subvert them with Knives Out, and he kind of did sort of, and then even more so with this one. And you know that's what he likes to do. He you know like that's the whole thing about disruption. Is like I take a thing that you know and love, and I, you know, and I break it, and I do it differently, and I show you a different way that you didn't know you wanted it to be, and it's like okay, but that's not necessarily a good thing. And is it telling that the that, that the character who says that in the movie is the bad guy? I don't know. It's mm. sort of like we can go round and round about what what does Ryan Johnson actually think. Of his own movies and his own choices, it seems that like he has a character in the film, you know, who thinks that disrupting things is good, but um, doesn't know what disruption means because <laughs> he explains it really poorly, and is the bad guy. So you have the bad guy defending a thing that you're doing. I don't know. I have no idea if this is. And who is that guy, Daryl? Uh, he's nobody, I guess. Yeah. Like I didn't, I, I that that was a bizarre thing. Like these, these things kind of have to pay off a little bit. You can't have. Well, he's subverting your expectations. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's sort of like you can always fall back on that. Like, well, you know, why don't you just tell me the name of it? Like, like why don't you just, you know, it's. Just... Well, that's why I don't think that's fair. Not for this kind of a thing. No. Like, it's not that funny to begin with. And, he, and that character was in the back of my brain the whole time. I'm like, wasn't there just a random stoner hanging around here? And he kept saying, like, making a joke, like, I'm not here. And even if he played a small part, I would have been like, all right, he's not the killer, but, you know, he's a red herring. That's that's what they do. But he, he wasn't important whatsoever to anything. He was just there. And I was like, well, then that's dumb. Because it wasn't like there was a bunch of other people who might have been but weren't involved. He was the only one like that. 
Yeah, there wasn't any staff on the island. There was nobody. Yeah, so I was like, what's the point of this guy? Like, oh, he's supposed to be, you know, doing something funny. I'm like, well, that's do that in a comedy then. Don't do it in a murder mystery where everything should be important. Because yeah. even things that don't that don't matter all that much are there to distract you. But he's not even doing that. Yeah. There's a lot of extras too. There was like, you know, what was that th- like tesseract type thing he had in his, you know, giant glass office? Like that didn't seem to play any part at all. Like a lot of it was also like rich guy porn stuff. You know, like some of it was poking fun at that, like and in really obvious ways. Like that scene where they're he's arguing with uh, Andy about investing in that clear hydrogen fuel thing and she's like they they have the argument and he's dressed in that <laughs> he's turtleneck just like Steve, he's just yeah. like Steve Jobs he's just like, like and she even uses the phrase reality reality distortion field to describe his his point of view on the thing which is what people used to say about Steve Jobs it's literally lifted from the you know the Walter Isaacson book about Steve Jobs like it's just mm-hmm. you know it was so it was so direct and like all the name drops like you know he gets Gillian Flynn to write the murder mystery and the uh the puzzle box guy apprenticed with Ricky Jay who is a, a world famous sl- uh, sleight of hand sleight of hand magician uh who appeared in all those David 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 Mehmet films um there's a bunch of that stuff and like that doesn't serve much of a purpose either and it seems odd over time to be like, okay, we get it. You've got a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. The Mona Lisa Lots. thing was funny. For a minute. For about a hot second. And it does I, come around again at the end, I guess. I think that's just his politics getting in the way. How do you mean? Well, I, obviously he has something to say about how rich people behave. Oh, yeah. That, you yeah. know, but like... It, it it's so on the nose it stops being satirical and starts being annoying <laughs> yeah like yeah. I, you know because you're only supposed to take away one lesson and it's obvious like unfortunately all the characters are very one note and one dimensional and knives out was the same way regardless of skin color or any of that stuff like they were just like we're all bad people it's <laughs> like all right well then i don't care who the killer is <laughs> You know. Right, yeah, that was the thing too. Was that they, yeah, they, they were all really bad, and she was like basically, you know, perfect by comparison. Right. Like it got really obvious, and the same thing here, where they were all like sycophants and suck ups, and they needed his money and everything. And I was like, well, then who cares who kills him? And then he didn't get killed anyway. And I was like, all right, these people are terrible. Yeah, you know whether whether he catches them or not, and how he catches them is less important because. You're you're just waiting for it because you don't you don't like these people to begin with. So, yeah. but uh, so the character's not well drawn. No, none of them were particularly well drawn in this one, and like you really kind of wanted them to be, but I don't know something about them was just strange too. Like like they were too disparate. Like they didn't connect at all, and that, they they point that out, but like. How did they get to know each other? Like it really doesn't make any sense. They all met at a bar. Yeah, okay. they were friends. And they were all like losers, but they had big dreams. And only 
Andy, the black girl, was the only one who was like actually intelligent enough to do anything. Yeah. And then when she got big enough, she started like dragging them along with her. And they were using uh, Ed Norton's character to, you know, basically he became like the face of the company because he was always like getting up in people's faces and promoting. And he had like uh, the, the charisma to make the company be really big and things like that. Oh yeah. All right. Doesn't explain why they're all friends. They just yeah. need each other. No, it's not. It's not well written. <laughs> no. Um, all right. So a couple of things I thought were like, so what, what role do you think, like, why did they choose to set it the way they did in terms of the pandemic? That I, I thought I, was an interesting choice. Well, I don't know. Because like most most fiction that I'm I've watched in the last few years doesn't really reference the pandemic at all. And I mean, the, I think the only show that I know that did was Grey's Anatomy. I don't watch a lot of those like you know hospital drama shows. My wife watches Grey's Anatomy. In spurts, she'll she'll go through a period where she'll watch it for a couple of, like a year or two, and then she'll get off of it, and then you know get bored and go back and watch the seasons that she missed. Um, it's been on as far as I can tell since the since the Earth cooled, and so mm-hmm. there's plenty of seasons to go back and watch. Um, but I remember <laughs> tuning in at some point. Well, you know, while while, while we, we were all still wearing masks and there was still some apprehension, and you know they had been making the show a comeback, but they're all wearing <laughs> these like. It's like if they they slimmed down the suit from um, Outbreak, you know, like that full body yellow suit with the with the with the hose, but it was just a face mask. And so, like, because because it's very hard to act wearing a mask, like a like a a, a surgical mask, and to do so in. Um, you know, in a in a operating room scene is one thing. Cause then there's always the scene later where you take it off dramatically, and you throw it on the floor, and do your whole thing. But like that was the entire show was these people with masks. So they put them in these like clear face guard things that had like a hose attached to it, like you know, you know, like one of those like um, uh, like this like the Tie Fighter pilots from Star Wars had <laughs> like a hose yeah. coming out of their mask type of thing. And I mean, you could you could act, and you can see the the person's face, and it kind of you know you kind of had to reference the pandemic because it's like it's happening. You work in a hospital; we can't pretend we're on a different planet. It just seems weird. And um, but that was because you're you know that's the nature of that show. Other things didn't bother to deal with it, but this one was like, no, this is the middle of 2020. We're in a pandemic, and like they get to the island, and he sprays that thing in their mouth, and then they're like, you're good. Says Ethan. Says Ethan Hawke of all people. Yeah, but that also doesn't. It didn't have anything to do with anything. It never came back around. I think it was just one more rich person flex. Like he's so rich that he found the cure for COVID, and is only giving it to his friends. I guess. Yeah, maybe that's the only thing I can think of. So, but I mean. But it also could have been because the idea is that Miles is not smart and doesn't actually do anything by himself. Like he's not smart enough to do anything except pretend like he's a tech bro. So like maybe it didn't do anything, and it was one more thing that was fake. Yeah. 
I mean, but I don't know. And those are two different things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. So, you like, know. but I, I just thought, like, using, like, it, it was interesting that they used it. It was unfortunate they didn't do anything else with it other than, you know, mention the fact that, like, do, like you know, they would, you know, Duke doesn't wear a mask and Bertie wears one that's, um, that's mesh. And so it doesn't really do yeah. anything. Like, you can kind of do that, but, like, it really doesn't. Right. So why bother having it there? Yeah. It's interesting. You know, just just the, the idea that like he was so desperate to get out and solve crimes because he hadn't done anything being locked up. Yeah. I don't, shit, work at Baskin Robbins, man. They <laughs> they didn't close. They didn't? You never saw that stupid meme? No. The guy, the guy at the Baskin Robbins, he's dressed up in an ice cream cone outfit. And he's standing in front of the mirror at the Baskin Robbins and his, the caption just goes, how am I an essential worker? <laughs> <laughs> No, I've never seen that. Yeah. I'm like, Uh, you know, even I experienced that. I had to go back to work in person. Me too. (laughs) You know, there was, there was no, like you could stay at home and and eat Cheetos all day long. So people were like, I was locked away forever and ever. And it was miserable. I'm not saying I didn't experience existential dread like everybody else, but September I was back to work. Yeah. You know, I I had to be. So he could have done the same. <laughs> this is yeah. my point. What that you, stupid country fried foghorn leghorn accent. Does. I can't stand <laughs> So that's it. my next it's question. so stupid. What do you think of Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc? He's great. Yeah. The accent's dumb. Is it you dumb know? or is it so dumb that it's great? Like, you know, it's like. Just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but I. I can't. I kind of can't take it seriously because he's supposed to be a genius, and like he can't play it in his normal accent because then he would just be Sherlock Holmes. So like he has to do something very, very different. Um, and it's not. It's not. A, it's not necessarily a bad accent. I haven't. You know, like sometimes they do like those. Uh, you know, vocal coach. The coaches will do you know reviews of actors' accents in movies, and there's actually a good series on Wire that 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 talks about this. I'd be curious to hear what they have to say about it because it, it's is it a Louisiana thing he's supposed to be doing? Is it because his name is French? Oh, I don't know, <laughs> and I, I can't tell if he's trying for something specific or is trying to be purposefully non-specific but just kind of over the top. Yeah, I think he's just supposed to be trying to be like cartoony, isn't he? I would I mean, he is, but I don't know if, if he's trying to be. I'm not really. I don't know. The, the sure. tone of these things is is all over the place. You know, and it was in the first one too, where like he he came across as really stupid in the first one. Yeah, that was sort of like his like thing was being underrated, or like uh, rather um, under underestimated. Like he, but at the same time he, but but like too far because like for a lot of the movie he, in the first one he was like struggling to catch up and was like I don't understand anything, and then the last scene he was like I'm gonna lay it all out for you. And I was like oh he's he's good at this now okay. Yeah. Well, you're not quite sure how seriously to take him as an audience member, not just as like, you know, like everybody else doesn't seem to have that problem. Yeah. No. They also all know him. He's like, he's like famous to them. Like, oh, you saw that ballerina case. I'm like, w- would people know him? Is he that famous? Well, I don't know. I kind of like the idea. Like, you know, that that's a, that, that was a Sherlock Holmes thing too in the, in the TV show was that he, 
he ends up becoming famous because he solves all these crimes and he's doing it in such a dramatic and ridiculous kind of way with his you know insane personality that ends up putting him in harm's way because Moriarty ends up being somebody who you know is bothered by the panache with which he you know with which he solves the crimes that Moriarty is trying to set up and so that that's how they uh, they cross paths but um but yeah no it's uh, it's an interesting choice i mean what is daniel craig done besides like since james bond he's done this i can't think i know he did a couple of stints on broadway i saw him in a play called um a steady rain with hugh jackman so like there's stuff like that but you know i can't think of anything that he's been in besides these movies and then james bond um he's had smaller parts and things he was in um what's that movie logan lucky he was a southern guy in oh there. logan lucky thank you yeah um and he 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 was the stormtrooper in, in star wars the force awakens that was funny yeah yeah um he was in the girl with the dragon tattoo he was that's in, right he was in tintin yeah he's been in stuff he had a good accent in that one too cowboys and aliens i see that here and yeah, munich the golden compass so, well, M- Munich came out before uh, Casino oh, Royale. Road, he was in Road to Perdition. I forgot. Yes. That's where I first saw him. Yeah. Like, there's definitely, like, there's pre-Bond Daniel Craig, who's sort of thin and wiry and with these deep-set eyes. And then there's post-Bond Daniel Craig, who's built like a brick shit house. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's, yeah, he's doing a lot of stuff. Like once you get to 2006, when you get Casino Royale, there are things. There's movies listed here. The Golden Compass is one. Defiance is right. He was in the Golden Compass. Yeah, Defiance is a movie that he was in. I think it's a you know, uh, yeah, Jewish brothers and Nazi occupy Eastern Europe, escape the Belarusian forces, and the you know, so like there's things like that. But you know, James Bond takes up so much of your life. That you know, it's very hard to make other movies, and also like you're sort of contractually limited too as to what you can do if you're part of a franchise like that. I remember Pierce Brosnan couldn't wear a tuxedo in any other movie, and so when he had to play Thomas Crown in the Thomas Crown Affair, and there was a scene with a tuxedo, they they called him on the phone. And they go, ah, don't forget. So they ended up having him like undo the like uh, the bow tie and he was like late in the evening and he was not you know fully wearing it's like that sufficed for the for the contract so there's all all these kind of like things about your life and your career that change when you take on roles like you know like that but um but he seems to want to play southern people i guess you know just i don't know like i wonder are we going to get like I, I so I didn't see the girl with the dragon tattoo have you because I've wanted to no 
because it looked cool. I think it's rather intense, and so I've kind of stayed away from it because it looks a little bit it's like it's a lot. Mm. So I think our sister saw it, and so I was going to ask her, like, is it worth watching? Or is it, like, I think she read the book. Yeah, she likes the books. Yeah. And because, um, like, I like him. I like. I kind of want to see him do more things where he's just sort of not putting anything on. Like, I totally get the idea of, like, wanting to play a character, and a lot of leading men like that don't get a chance to play characters, and so if you can do it, fine. But at the same time, I don't know how successful he is at it between the guy from um, Logan Lucky, uh, Joe Bang, which I thought was a funny name, and, you know, Benoit Blanc, like... You don't have to quite lay it on so so thick. You could just play a character being a guy doing a thing. You can do you use your regular voice, and everyone can take a deep breath and go, "Yes, that guy used to play James Bond." Mm. I mean, Sean Connery had a very long career after James Bond, so sure, yeah. you know, and he played just guys like James Bond, you know, but uh, but yeah, so this was this was interesting. I, mean, I wanted it to be better than it was, you know? Like, I wanted it to be worthy of the actors who were in it. Kind of uh, yeah, and, and people were saying it was better than the Kenneth Branagh films. Kenneth Branagh's doing all these Agatha Christie novels, and Agatha Christie's overrated as well. Yeah. But um, they were like, oh, this is better than Agatha Christie. And I'm like, really? And I didn't see it. But But those are the kind of mysteries where, like, you're meant to solve it along with Hercule Poirot and his enormous mustache. So, like, that one must have really stunk because this one wasn't any good. Yeah, those ones, those, those ones aren't supposed to be good either. They're very stylized. Well, it's the thing. Like, they're stylized, and they've got really famous people in them too. I mean, Kenneth Branagh's a really good actor. Yeah. But I guess they're just not hitting very well. I don't know. I think it's a it, it, it's a matter of the genre too. Like you know, people, this is an old genre, and it's not one that people were really clamoring for. It's not quite as dead as the western, but you know, people don't That's mind good. a murder mystery. They 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 don't really seek out ones where it's sort of like obviously like you know set up to look like a murder mystery. They yeah, it strikes me as like when um, Chicago came out, the musical back in like the early 2000s, everyone went like crazy for it. And it was like anyone who actually knew anything about musicals was like, well, this is the musical for people who don't know or like musicals. Like, you're, you're not going to watch Richard Gere sing and tell me <laughs> it's the best musical you've ever seen. Like, you just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and and these ones are the same way. We're like, wow, he's really done it. He's reinvigorated the murder mystery. It's like, no, it just means you've never seen a real murder mystery movie and you don't know what. It's like telling me Clue is the same thing as a murder mystery. <laughs> and Clue is a great movie, but yeah. it's not exactly like the pinnacle of these things. I mean, it, it, that's a spoof, for God's sakes. Yeah. Whereas this is like another one of these, like, people who don't really know what they're doing made one and they're like oh that's great by other people who've never seen one so well this is kind of a, kind of a spoof too but it's also a spoof that is also not a spoof like it kind of well, doesn't know what it wants to do 
Right, but like it that's a sign of it being bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. I agree with you. I'm just saying like you know, this it's ultimately like and like again, I think he thinks that if we reference the thing we're spoofing while we're trying to also be serious, that means we're being serious and it's okay. Like when he mentions the fact that Benoit Blanc is bad at Clue. Like, that's supposed to be funny. And like, it is funny. And I left. Like, again, watching the movie, I enjoyed it. When it ended, I was kind of like, that was kind of thin and silly. And like, talking about it now going, yeah, there wasn't much to this and it didn't didn't play by by any rules. And at first, at first I thought that was kind of cute. You know, and then I got confused and fell asleep. But like when I, when I watched it again, I was like, "Yeah, it's just cute." But then it gets old really quick, and right because he and, makes that joke a couple of times. <laughs> it's because it's a terrible game. <laughs> it's a yeah. terrible game. Yeah, like if you want a good example of this sort of thing, you should watch um, the, those Edgar Wright movies, like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Those are spoofing, you know, zombie movies and action movies. But they are zombie and action movies at the same time. They're well written and they make gags about how, you know, would doing ridiculous stunts like they do in Point Break would actually get you killed and things like that. But they're great. They're funny. They're action packed. They're scary. That that's a really good example of that sort of thing. Whereas this is like, I don't know what he's doing here. The tone's all over the place. It's not clever in some spots. I'm pointing it out that it's not clever doesn't suddenly make it clever. Yeah. So you're like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be watching here. You know, like the accent is supposed to be over the top and dumb. And when they get frustrated with him, they comment on that. Like, like, let's just shut your Kentucky fried mouth or whatever. And you're like, but they're supposed to underestimate him. Am I? (laughs) (laughs) He's the hero. I'm supposed to, to, to be on his side, aren't I? It's not clear. Yeah. So I think I, Ryan Johnson is not as good a director as people seem to think he is. I mean, I was just thinking about that too. Like, what is it he's made that I really liked? Looper. Yeah, Looper is a great movie. And he did three episodes of Breaking Bad. Uh, mm. I don't know which ones. I think he did. No, not that one. So. I'll look it up because I'm curious now. So I think he did the fly. The fly? Yeah, did with the uh, Jeff Goldblum? No, the episode oh. of Breaking Bad, the fly. Oh, mm, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, those are really different. Um, I'm trying to think which one he did. So it doesn't quite tell you. He did uh, episode. Yeah, he did Fly. That was him. As well as 51, which is season season five. Uh, I can't get it. I can't. I don't know. I don't know which one that is. And then season, like the second half of season five, he did. Oh, he did Ozymandias, um, which is probably the best episode of that show. Hmm. That's where, uh, where Hank dies, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. The great promo for that for that episode with uh, with with what's his name reading the uh, the play or the or the, or the poem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's. So he's not untalented. 
He's made no, good he, stuff. I think <laughs> he does a better job than I would, but yeah. I mean, did he uh, did he write Looper too, or just direct Looper? Uh, I don't know. Is that because that that might be where his no he he wrote it too? Oh, shit. Okay, like maybe it's he can't write movies; he can just direct them. Um. Yeah. So. No, he's not that good. But like, I shouldn't. I mean, I was feel bad saying he's not that good. He's probably very, very talented because he can make a film like Looper, and that's a really great movie. And he can make some of the best episodes of the of the best TV show we've seen. Just you know, not batting a thousand, you know. But he's he's. It's not unreasonable to say that he's you know been this good or this bad. So I don't know. So well, I wouldn't recommend it. No, would not recommend. Just go watch Avatar instead. Mm. You know, bring your little pee bag. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a long one. It's a long one. Yeah. So. so. All right. All right. Anything else? No, that's it. All right. Uh, so. I haven't done like the 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 outro thing in a while. If you have any thoughts here, I'm looking at you. Like do your do your thing. Do your thing, man. Uh, If you have any thoughts about Glass Onion or Ryan Johnson or anything of those things we we talked, I can't get words out of my face. Um, (laughs) You should tweet us or let us know on on Instagram. We are at Three Drinks in Pot on both. Um, don't forget to leave us uh, five star ratings on all those streaming services like Apple, Spotify, and uh, and um, Amazon Music. Uh, you can find us on the Facebook. You can email us at three drinks in podcast at gmail dot com, and you can buy our junk over there at tpublic dot com. I believe that's everything, just not in the right order. Uh, yeah, I think that's all. <laughs> okay, as always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.